Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome to the 105th edition of DF Direct Weekly. This is, as always, every week our weekly show which discusses the latest gaming and technology news uh, a ton of stuff to go through this week uh, everything from the disaster that is uh, the last of us part one on pc through to what looks like the sad demise of e3 uh, joining us to discuss all of this first of all john linneman hey rich i'm ready to toss t lou in the loo today so <laughs> <laughs> okay wow you're, you're getting it early yeah, well, that's just a preview of what's to uh, come, I think, on this board. Yeah. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Um, Alex Vitalio, of course. <laughs> okay, this time I promise I won't cry uh, while, while discussing a bad PC port, but we'll get through this. We'll get through this. <laughs> We're here for you, Alex. We're here. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's crack on with that first news topic. So, well, what can we say about this one? The Last of Us Part 1, a Naughty Dog uh, first PC uh, title for, for many, many years. Uh, prior Uncharted was uh, developed in conjunction with Iron Galaxy, and apparently this one may be too. It's all a bit unclear, but the bottom line is The Last of Us Part 1 uh, released uh, earlier this week, and um, it's not good. So, Alex, <laughs> when this one dropped, it was kind of like a situation where we didn't really, you know, basically all of the problems were being, you know, sort of unearthed in real time. We, to the point where we didn't really know where to begin with this one. Yeah. Uh, and so that, yeah, that that's kind of like the, the interesting part about this for, from our perspective, because uh, I've talked about it before on the channel, when a game launches in a certain state uh, where we can see that there needs to be a lot of work done on it, it covering it becomes really hard. And uh, given the, the flux of user reports, uh, describing very, very many issues. And then as we started testing it ourselves and started discovering uh, maybe even more issues with more detail, uh, we realized that it's like, we're not going to be able to cover this in the usual fashion. And I think that's an interesting, a good thing to point out for the audience right here. I will not, as of yet, be doing a usual Alex Battaglia breakdown of the game that is like 30 minutes long of me going through every setting comparing it to the PlayStation 5 in a really direct way, getting exact settings, and also giving really hardcore optimized settings recommendations. I think given the current state of things, uh, we have to do a different style of video that Rich put forward, and I think it's a great idea where we're going to be, and I hopefully maybe it'll be launched by the time this video comes public. We'll see. I'll be working on the weekend for this, uh, where we're going to be playing the game three ways with a mid-range PC, a high-end PC, and the PlayStation 5, and kind of showing off the performance metrics and visual comparisons in real time and discussing the issues. And I think that's a really good way to do it because we don't waste our time uh, covering things in depth that may be changing rapidly, which is appears to be the case to a certain degree here. Uh, and also the audience still gets a sense of what the PC port is currently like and some first information out there about maybe what to avoid or what to do if you own the game. Mm, so Yeah, I mean, we have been able to highlight 
quite a few issues with it based on our testing, but everything is in flux. We've had two patches so far, um, neither of which have actually seem to have done a huge amount. Um, although the second one seems to have reduced loading times. Uh, that might... Well, I mean, the, the first patch technically made the game playable for some of us. What, like with the, <laughs> with the mouse the, controls, right? Yeah, the mouse thing. Like, I don't know if you guys encountered that, but for me and many other users, like the mouse was being sampled at a super low rate. It even has an option for raw input on and off, but it made no difference. Mouse movement was super jerky, like 10 FPS. And this translated into jerky camera movement as well, but only using the mouse. Even if your game was running at a high frame rate, everything else was smooth. But as soon as you move the camera, super choppy, basically unplayable with mouse and keyboard. So, right, which is nuts. I mean, <laughs> I mean, everybody is uh, bringing in Iron Galaxy into the conversation, and inevitably, Arkham Knight is therefore brought into the conversation. And you know, questions of whether this is the new Arkham Knight. I don't think it is i mean arkham knight was a, a spectacular disaster in that no matter how good your pc was you couldn't run it at 60 frames per second locked um there is with the last of us part one i think we're fairly uh agreed that if you have extreme power or very high power niche pc components you're probably going to be absolutely fine not in a not in a fantastic state by any means um owing to the CPU requirement. But, you know, if you've got a GPU with a ton of VRAM and a ton of performance and you've got, you know, a top-class CPU, you're, you're going to be powering through this one and still having a pretty great experience, I'd say. that The issue is when you actually start looking at the game from um, components that are broadly in line with a PlayStation 5, Alex, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> You're in incredible trouble. It's it's uh, so, so the thing is that everything is about averages. Always. We look at a broad spectrum of games. I have created PS5 like settings in so many games. Really, I don't even know how many at this point in time where I can get a good even if I'm a couple settings off, I can get a good understanding of what PS5 like performance is like on the PC side of things, what you may be required there. And this is really far off the charts uh, for every metric CPU video memory. And of course, uh, the GPU side of things, uh, and that 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 is probably the part of me kind of like with Forspoken at its launch, or maybe right. the Callisto Protocol, uh, where I say really hold off uh, right now if you have a mid-range PC, and uh, that's a shame. I, I want to just really briefly say that I think this this entire situation is a big shame uh, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> for so many reasons it's like the the video game industry and its current releases in the large scale publishers on pc in triple a uh we're seeing some really big uh big misses uh rather constantly almost every release that i've looked at since january has had issues where i question whether they should have re been released at the release date um other than hi-fi rush literally it's the only game that hasn't that I've looked at that hasn't had like issues where I go, but why? Um, so um, I think that's a big issue in the industry right now. And I don't know how you all feel about it. Uh, I I'm just curious what you think, like, what about Sony and what about Naughty Dog here? What's what's the purpose of this release in its current state? Oh yeah, this, this is a tricky one. And people are very quick to point fingers at different companies, but I think ultimately the buck stops with Naughty Dog and Sony on this. Like Iron Galaxy is a, work for hire company right like they were contracted yeah. out to do work on this game but ultimately i would say it has to pass naughty dogs muster and 
uh, they approve this and it's not good. Right. And yeah. I think like, I actually think that this is the kind of stuff that's really damaging to a brand. Uh, I don't know if necessarily think it'll be long-term, but this is the first experience that PC gamers might have with this series. And they know it's a popular series. They've got that big HBO show, which has been a huge hit. And then now this is hitting on the PC. And if you pick this up, there's a good chance that you might have a very bad experience with it. And it could actually sour you. And there's a difference between having a slightly suboptimal PC release. Like, oh, I got a few shader comp stutters here and there. And there's a few annoying things about it. Versus this, where the experience on mid-range hardware seems to be almost wretched enough where you might just feel extremely frustrated and upset with this purchase to the point where it mm -hmm. could actually push you from wanting to give them another shot in the future. Right. Like, uh, wow. it's, maybe, maybe not, but I it, look, people still talk about Arkham Knight. This isn't as bad as Arkham Knight, but that game is continuously referenced. People think about that a lot. That made a really strong impact on people. This isn't maybe not that bad, but I think it, if you look at the Steam reviews, you look at the Steam forums, people are having a pretty bad time with it right now. And I think that's, yeah. that's mm -hmm. it's not acceptable to have released it in this state. It should have been delayed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, in terms of um, uh, the reviewing side of things, there were alarm bells ringing, right? Sure. Uh, a, f a few weeks back, Sony asked whether we'd like to receive a uh, review code, and then there was literal radio silence until launch, you know, when we sort of chased up to see whether code would be available, we just got blanked. And mm. um, that is not a good sign. And then um, we got the game literally as it unlocked on Steam. That's when the review codes came out. So, you know, the bottom line is, I, I don't like to infer behavior from, you know, from stuff like this, but bearing in mind that on prior PC games, other than I think Sackboy, which again launched, launched with issues, um, you know, this sort of suggests to me strongly that they knew there was something up with it. And if that's the case, then, you know, basically they're, they're sending it out there knowing that the product, product is going to have issues with a lot of users. And that kind of behavior is, um, is, is unacceptable, I think it's fair to say. See, I think the, th yeah. the thing to keep in mind here too is that this is a digital-only game, right? This was coming yeah. to like Steam and digital platforms. This doesn't have the the retail side of the equation to think about. Yeah, that's, so, there's no gold master. <laughs> right. Such. So no. like, you know, people would have been bummed out if it was delayed, but I don't think it would have been the end of the world, especially if they presented it right. It's better than releasing it like this. Right. Yeah. By mm -hmm. far. By far. I mean, I, don't, I just don't know where to begin with this because it's now becoming a meme or memes, you know, <laughs> eyebrows, Joel, for example. <laughs> Uh, uh, Joel without a face texture, you know. Uh, the the best one is the cutscene where it's oh, raining yeah. indoors, yeah. and they just keep getting wetter and wetter. I don't stuff. even know if it was actually raining indoors so much as like they were just applying the wetness shaders and like right. dripping water effect to the characters, <laughs> so it looks like it's increasingly yeah. uh, wet and sweaty in that room. <laughs> yeah, it's so you know, there's a lot of bizarre material going on here. I'm reminded of you know when Fallout New Vegas launched in a in a really bad way with lots of bugs. You know, all of that stuff is happening. Um, it just didn't need to happen. It should have been delayed and somebody should have made the decision to say, look, this isn't great and it's not, you know, um, mm -hmm. optimal. The issue is now we've had two hotfixes with stuff that 
arguably should have been, well, not arguably, should have been noticed like during development. You know, that we've got issues here, first of all, as John pointed out with the mouse, yeah. uh, where it's basically, it was un- uncontrollable really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, unusable, yeah. It's like, how did that make its way into the launch code? Um, secondly, there's been, with the second patch, optimizations to uh, shader compilation and seemingly loading. You know, obviously the loading side of things and the shader comp issues would have been spectacular. I mean, that unavoidably noticeable. You cannot not notice the issues there. And yet yeah. it shipped in that state. Um, less, you know, let alone all of the manner of bugs that we've seen so far. It just seems to be, I don't know, maybe one or two months out from where it should have launched. It's, it's just yeah. remarkable. Anything to add to Alex? I, I'm just curious, actually, how far off from launch it was, because I look at the performance side of things, and those seem almost deeper rooted, uh, uh, based upon what you've kind of shown, Rich, so far, in my experience on a mid-range PC, where it feels like a lot would have to be clawed back to get it to the um, expected performance quality level for the visuals that we see from other games. Um, you know, I, I was uh, talking with John about this the other day, but I, I think we've been really, had some really good looking games last year. Like I really loved uh, Plague Tale Requiem and I, and I put it side by side with this game. And I, like, and I think about like the quality of the textures and the performance offered on the range. And I'm like really happy with a Plague Tale at the end of the day. And in this game, I see it really far off of that that target in terms of performance that you're getting for the visual quality return. Both of the and both of these games much... are on our graphics of the year list, I believe. Yeah, so, they both and were. And they're both good looking, uh, <laughs> but neither is a generational leap over the other. And yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like when you look at other games and you look at the performance you're receiving for the visuals returned, it becomes really questionable. And this is this was kind of the case with Uncharted 4. Uh, when it released, it did have, if you were to go vis-a-vis the uh, settings that I found as the PS5 version settings, uh, which you couldn't match, by the way, at launch, because the, the um, the how do you say it, the LOD setting on PC never went up as high as the PlayStation 5 setting, which is uh, bizarre in its own right. But uh, even if you were to compare that, like a 2070S, which is our broad, you know, our mid-range, this thing typically gets you PS5 like performance it was really far off there too and this is like the only game on pc where this happens so it's when that is the case you think something's wrong and you don't think it's like a special flower you think maybe it's maybe it's a a dirty flower or something i don't know it's a a rotting flower i don't know it's a it's not something that deserves this it's not crisis it's not cyberpunk path racing it's you know it's it's you know a game that runs on PS5 at 60 FPS. It was almost Shakespeare or higher, actually. <laughs> Rot- yeah. Rotting flower. <laughs> well, Alex, you, you said that this runs at 60 FPS on PS5, but with the VRR stuff enabled, you can actually sort of benchmark the PS5. Yeah, right. Oh my god. Right, and it's more like 70 to 100 FPS on average, and that prompted yeah. me to actually run through some sections on the PC and the PS5 and found that I was getting similar performance levels. Uh, while yeah. being CPU limited on the PC. So that's suggesting a 12900K is equivalent to the PS5 CPU, according yeah. to this game. <laughs> the 12900K is at least twice as fast, uh, which is astonishing when you think about it, yeah. I mean, we got yeah. so let's bring in some supporter uh, observations and questions here. DF Enjoyer says, in your opinion, should games, game companies start getting punished? <laughs> 
for bringing out unfinished games. The Last of Us on PC is an insult. Um, well, they are being punished in terms of yeah. the fact that their reputation and their Steam rating is is in the toilet at the moment, and they've got a lot of um, work to do to turn that around, right? Uh, <laughs> are they suggesting a Jim Ryan public flogging? Is this what I'm seeing here? <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that is the implication, isn't it? He, yes, yes, he yes. wants retribution. DF Enjoyer he wants justice. <laughs> justice for DF Enjoyer. Oh, the Last yeah, of Us yeah. on PC is an insult. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, let's take take a look at some other questions. Um, this one from Axel HYC. Hello, dear friends! Exclamation point. Hope you had a good weekend. With the recent problems of the port, The Last of Us on PC. Do you think Sony is going to develop future PS5 games with PC? And do you think Sony is going to develop future mm -hmm. PS5 games with PC in mind from the beginning? The way that this way they would have more time to polish it between the PS5 exclusive launch and the PC version sometimes later. I don't think so. What do you think, mm -hmm. Alex? I don't. I don't think they're going to do that. But I think. Like any game, it most things are scalable. Uh, so I think we're going to see scalability and just a matter of how much time the PC port takes to come out. There was a year's worth of time for Spider-Man till its release date, just about one year. I think it was the commit, the first commit to the launch date, uh, just about. And I thought that was a, it was a launch that had some issues, <clears throat> but it was uh, light years ahead of this one. And I would, I would actually vastly prefer that situation because I think them targeting a PS5 as a base instead of a GTX 1060 Core i5 8400 or something like that is the the way forward for quality uh, for these titles. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing, of course, is that you know primarily their um, objective is to furnish the PlayStation 5 with software. They're going to be pushing that system to the limits, um, but at the same time. Um, they do have access to Nixis. They acquired Nixis in what I think is one of the most um, uh, clever acquisitions we've seen. Uh, and it's paid off with Spider-Man. Although, to be fair, Spider-Man launched with issues and um, recent updates apparently have had CPU issues as well. So, you know, yeah. it's not a cure-all. But um, at the same time, you know, if you are going to have somebody handling your PC port, there's not any better than Nixis, right? Um yeah, I guess there's another question here, which is, you know, we'll talk about this in our content, which we've yet to record, but um, what's pretty obvious at this point is that there's a massive amount of asset streaming and decompression happening on The Last of Us Part 1, which is to be expected, bearing in mind the richness of the, vid of the vid visuals, right? It's a spectacular-looking game. It seems, based on our testing so far, that Naughty Dog's solution to this to this problem is just to dump it all on the CPU, yeah. um, the decompression side of things, which, bearing in mind the PlayStation 5 has dedicated hardware to deal with that problem, um, you know, it's it's not an elegant solution for PC users, right? Basically, it requires you to have a really high-end CPU to do the same job as those hardware um, features within mm -hmm. the PlayStation 5. So, Alex, is this the beginning of what we should expect going forward? Um, is direct storage going to have anything to, to do with it? And I guess also, how come Marvel Spider-Man didn't have these texture <laughs> issues? I mean, I let's just say I would be prodding all the Nixies people behind the scene, which I may be doing, you never know, uh, about how they do it, uh, because they do it really well. Um, I think whatever uh, solution that they've devised currently for the game in its release state, 
uh, is just not fit for the PC platform. Whatever they're doing with memory management, whatever they're doing with how they're getting assets on disk into your GPU or into system memory, maybe. I think that's a big issue. And they apparently are the only developer with this issue out there in a really visible form, uh, given the way we can look at the game from the outside. Like we have yet to see any release on PC that suffers from this issue. Really? What about uh, Forspoken at launch and Hogwarts? Forspoken is well, those were hardware decompress. This was right, a hardware yes. decompression okay. issue. That, right, right. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about uh, VRAM. How much you need for good textures? Yeah, that's a we'll, we'll get onto that. <laughs> we'll get onto that. Um, but in terms of just the CPU required usage to stare at a wall or the CPU required <laughs> usage to walk forward to a new section of the game. I just covered Resident Evil 4, and I think, my goodness, that is a broadly comparable game uh, in a visual uh, like perspective. It is has amazing cutscene quality. Environmental textures are pretty great. Tons of baked lighting everywhere, which is very Last of Us-like, you know? And um, I see that 2070 Super just doing really just well in that game. It, yeah. it's long powers through it really well uh there's no ray tracing in the last of us here as well too um so uh, i just look at broadly comparable games and i say this is an outlier we shouldn't use it as a data point metric for the future much like when um gotham knights came out we said i don't think this is a good start point this specific game was not a good thing to say this is the future i thought a plague tale requiem was a better like arrow towards the future saying oh this is what next gen visuals can look like uh and this is um you know what the hardware requirement can look like there and i thought that was better and i don't think this one is direct storage is really interesting where you know you don't need direct storage to do fancy different loading and things on pc you don't technically need it like you don't that is just an api standard to do these things um you know, I think if you go back to Rage back in the day, there was even a, a GPU CUDA-based decompression option for the mega texture. Uh, uh, back when did that release? Oh, wow. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, there is, you know. I think there is uh, in that game because it was really CPU-intensive when you would turn the camera and all the pages would need to be decompressed on the fly. So people with lower-end CPUs were having issues, and they added in this CUDA decompression option for NVIDIA GPUs to help out the situation. Mm -hmm. Um and I look back at that and I say, wow, they did that back then? Uh, you know, I feel like if you're going to bring out a game for PC, it does involve perhaps a lot more tailoring. And maybe for this project, it wasn't easy at all, given the time constraints. Right. Rage, or maybe Rage, there was a... Rage came out in uh, 2011, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe the time constraints and also maybe experience. If this was more Naughty Dog internally, maybe they don't actually have the experience completely of uh like nixies has of nixies has done this for years they're, they're incredible um of knowing exactly how to do certain things with the memory subsystem on pc which is different than it is on console mm -hmm. so there's a lot of reasons i don't think it's a, a future indicator just yet okay Alex, i'd like a better title it's, it's pop quiz time are you ready <laughs> let's, I love let's it. cue it up <laughs> i've collected uh seven games or so that we've covered on our channel for the PC over the last several months. And I want you Thank to you. tell the audience if <laughs> the game I name is better or worse than The Last of Us Part 1 on PC. You ready? Oh, yeah. Let's gosh. do it. All yeah, right. Let's do it. First one. Woe Long. This is... At launch, it was worse. Oh, oh God. Uh, 
this is it, this is hard. This is, we're getting this is into completely g- unfair. No, no, <laughs> this we're is doing degrees it. of bad at this point. Okay, so I'm gonna we'll, say, we'll say at launch. Um, we'll say at launch, not current state. At launch, we're discussing here. I'm gonna say a little bit better. Okay, Wild Hearts. Worse. Wow. <laughs> uh, the Callisto Protocol. Worse. Worse. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you, Alex. <laughs> help me, help me. It's okay. Uh, Dead Space. Better. Okay. <laughs> Forspoken. Better. Zackboy. <laughs> Sackboy. If you get past the first 30 minutes of the game, it's better. Okay. At launch. All right. This is, uh, this re- is Returnal. It's degrees. Better. Yeah, yeah. By yeah. Far. Uh, okay. Gotham Knights. Yeah. Worse. Okay, that was actually eight, but there you go. So that's that's okay. kind of the lowdown. So there are some better, some worse. It's a mix, but yes. uh, thank you for participating in this quiz, Alex. <laughs> it was really good, but it also the fact most of them, other than Returnal, that uh, that was really hard. I had to think yeah. like, what do I prefer? Uh, stuttering every twenty meters or really impossibly poor <laughs> CPU performance. So it's like de- degrees of awful here, and I don't. And that's that's yeah. most of the PC stuff we've covered over the past uh, few months. Should we do a Shades of Grey clip show of me freaking out about PC games? Maybe. <laughs> and that's not even including stuff like The Witcher 3, uh, the update, which was pr- oh, God, pretty I bad when that. it hit. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. Although I didn't, you know, Plague Tale was good, right? That, that, that was actually fine. quite good. Resident Evil 4, we talked about, that was pretty good. Um, it's good enough for the most part, you know, yeah. yeah. All sc- uh, scorn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, the stutters. Oh, geez, everything is. So Alex just made a bit of a deep cut there with uh, reference to Shades of Grey, which is the end of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation season two, where Riker is stricken, and uh, the production team had run out of budget, so they just had Riker in the sick bay, uh, basically hallucinating the last two seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation. But it would be quite remarkable oh, to actually sort of get some footage of a stricken Alex. Oh. <laughs> In, in hospital, hallucinating the best and the worst of the last two years of DF Direct uh, Weekly. That'd be good. I'd love that. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Ooh, and at, the, at the very end of it, uh, Naughty Dog releases uh, a really, <laughs> yes. really great patch for The Last of Us Part <laughs> <Yeah>. 1. Snaps <laughs> me out of my... Yeah, that yeah. snaps you out of your stupor. <laughs> uh, it's back to business as usual. Okay, um... Question that I'm going to bring up now concerns uh, VRAM allocation and uh, just how much VRAM your GPU should require. It's a topic that's been brought into focus with uh, releases like Forspoken and, of course, Hogwarts Legacy. Clearly, there's a lot more visual data required, texture data specifically, and um, it's causing consternation. So we've got this uh, question here from Smug Goat. Hey, Digital Foundry, exclamation point. It is I, Smug Goat, back with another PC question. My last question for you was all based on VRAM requirements increasing in future games. It seems the trend continues. I had to upgrade to a 4090 to stop worrying huh. about it. That's kind of extreme. Do consoles load assets differently from current PCs? Is this part of the reason we are seeing increased VRAM and stutters loading areas in PC ports? If so, will this improve? You guys are the best, exclamation point. Regards, exclamation point. And uh, I'm going to bring in um, DF Enjoyer. He's back and he's still, <laughs> ang- he's still angry. Second question, with NVIDIA's new cars rumoured to have 8 gigabytes of VRAM, what the hell are they thinking? 
Um, so, yeah, this is a, an interesting point, right, Alex, because um, yeah. we are starting to see PS5 um, ports um, where there's kind of no cross-gen um, counterparts, um, you know, for the last-gen consoles, which basically means that the baseline for development has moved up. Um, mm-hmm. The old consoles had, uh, let us let me think about this, they had 8 gigs of memory, but around five, 5.5 gigabytes available for the titles. Uh, the new consoles, 16 gigabytes. Um, PS5, to the best of our information, has about 12.5 gigs of available memory to the... Uh, to the uh, to the title developer um yeah is all of this having an impact and should people be considering how much deep uh vram their gpu has what's the what's going to happen with eight gigabyte cards um i uh as a part of it i want to answer the the second question from df enjoyer here first (laughs) i don't think eight gigabytes is a sound purchase in the year 2023 uh, for many users, uh, for the purpose of eva- avoiding bad PC ports, uh, and this is not for avoiding is not for avoiding good ports. I think a good port offers up texture quality settings that are reasonable and not awful, and that is the issue. I think uh, there's a there's an art process that is involved with degrading texture quality and or setting up a texture streaming system. Uh, that uh, some titles just don't do. And I thought a really good example of that was Forspoken and Hogwarts Legacy, where uh, both uh, rather close to release, after release, released patches, which worked wonders for the quality of textures for GPUs running 8 gigabytes uh, of VRAM there. And you'll have to ask the developers as to what changed there for themselves. Uh, but it shows, I think, to the point that you don't, just because you have eight gigabytes of VRAM doesn't mean your textures have to look awful. And the thing is, a lot of these games that were, were that had issues, as soon as you would have an eight gigabyte GPU, the texture quality could reach like sub PS4 levels, which shows to me that there wasn't an art and optimization pass there to get it looking right. And I, I think that's a big deal here. It's about how much time developers are putting in to make games look good on eight gigabyte GPUs. And it's totally doable. It shouldn't just be a blanket, which most of the game, a lot of games that we just talked about did, just record a resolution of the textures, <laughs> which is, uh, they wouldn't do that on a PS4 release necessarily. So it's a little bit weird to see them doing it on a PC release. Uh, the other question is, I guess, like, is there a different way of loading on consoles? And is this so uh, like a unique situation looking forward? I don't expect uh, eight gigabyte GPUs to have the exact same texture quality necessarily as uh, PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X always in every game. I think it'll be much closer in games that use modern GPU features like sampler feedback or modern, uh, you know, like virtual texturing systems like UE5. I think in those type of really modern texture streamers, you won't see huge issues and differences. Uh, between texture quality on these type of GPUs. But if a game is a little bit older school, uh, then the issues will crop up more. And I sent out some messages before this uh, DF Direct yesterday about uh, the current amount of usage uh, in uh, games. And I I got a response back, two responses back that uh, almost mirrored each other, where you would see around 10 gigabytes of perhaps 
memory dedicated to pure GPU usage uh, in a modern AAA title on console. Um, and then the rest being for things that are touched either by CPU and GPU, perhaps like BVH data uh, or something like that. And then uh, the rest being system memory stuff. And one thing that I thought was interesting was someone wrote that uh, memory, things that would usually be put into GPU allocated memory could be things like sound, which on a CPU, which on a PC side of things uh, would all be in system memory. It wouldn't be on GPU memory there, uh, which I found very GPU allocated memory. So I found that very interesting. It's, it shows that it's a more complex story uh, than just things going to CPU and GPU. There's shared memory there on consoles. Uh, but in, in general, I would say if you're looking for buying a new GPU and it doesn't I'd say go above eight gigabytes. And I do question the validity of releasing an eight gigabyte GPU in 2023, for sure. Uh, at what level? Because obviously there's going to be a, a point where, um, you know, it's just not financially viable to stick 12 gigs on a, let's say like a 4050 or whatever. Well, yeah, know. 4050 is a different thing, but like a 3060, for example, if like a 4060 released with less memory than the 3060. Which is I'd, looking likely, by the way. Well, I would say that's a, it's not, not a great not purchase <laughs> yeah, at that point i, I think because i i was i was like back in the day when the 37 released i was like why does the 3060 have more memory than the 3070 yeah like i was i was just like totally i just didn't get it um and i will just continue not to get it if it <laughs> happens this gen yeah, yeah. any thoughts on this john i mean it seems to be i mean we can talk a little bit about uh, unreal engine 5 which doesn't seem to have a huge memory footprint uh, and it's going to dominate the generation. So, they, they, you know, I do think there are going to be scenarios where uh, eight gigs will be okay, but it just seems to be a case where we've had too many titles that have, you know, moved yeah. beyond cross-gen and uh, we're looking at issues for eight gigabyte cards. Yeah, I think there's there's the way to look at it in terms of what should be happening versus what is happening, right? Yes. Like eight gigabyte <laughs> should theoretically suffice, but... It does not seem to be sufficing. That's the problem, right? These games are shipping in such a state where users with 8 gigabyte GPUs are just getting a worse experience than I feel that they probably should. Uh, and that's a shame. That's a real bummer, especially when you go down the stack and you start getting into lower tier graphics cards where uh, that limited VRAM becomes like a, a huge bottleneck, right? Because like even mm. if you're not being able to if you're not able to push things at super high frame rates and use all the effects like having decent looking textures I still think is very important and with the way things are going now we're running into situations where like oh you only got eight gigs uh, well now you're gonna have textures that would make the PS4 blush you know it's it's <laughs> it it seems wrong to me so well yeah going back to the Last of Us Part One it, there's not really much difference between high and ultra I think it's no. fair to say I mean we were kind of uh, breaking up the 400% zooms <laughs> and thinking, you know, actually, is the Ultra One looking worse here? What's going on? Um, so there's, there wasn't really too much of a difference there. But when you move down to medium, suddenly, you know, there's massive swathes of environment textures that are far worse than the higher. Uh, yeah, it feels like just, just taking like a weed whacker to the textures just to get the memory down rather than like thoughtfully working on it, right? Like it's just the way things end up looking. You get all these weird like alpha blended textures, like these ugly layers and like nasty looking like black borders around it. And it just, it feels like, oh, this texture hasn't finished loading in rather than, oh, it's just slightly yep. lower res, right? And that's not yeah. good. Yeah. 
Um, well, interesting stuff. I mean, where do we go from here? What do you want to see from Naughty Dog, Alex, uh, to, to address this? Because, I mean, you know, when we're looking at stuff like the uh, the CPU burden, where basically it does look like the um, hardware decompression feature of the PS5 has been moved to the CPU. And I think in one of your images, in one of your tests, this had like a 20 FPS impact of performance on a, Incredibly massive on a Ryzen 5 3600. This is like, you know, where, where do they go from here? Because we're, we're going to get these um, patches coming in thick and fast, which will address bugs, right? But realistically, to get this port into shape, we're looking at a fundamental reappraisal of key systems. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to say that this is very pie in the sky, but I would really prefer if what happened with... Um, Horizon Zero Dawn happened here where Nixie's put their current project on hold for a couple months, or like we saw with Halo Infinite, where other studios chimed in, where I think this needs to go beyond the initial development team a little bit for expertise purposes. Doesn't mean they have to work on it, but just uh, do come some some consultation to figure out what other developers do exactly. Um, Because PC is, you know, a platform where a lot of developers get it really, really right, uh, and some others don't. So I would love to see a consultation with experts and then uh, work on a patch based upon that consultation that which would maybe remedy the situation other than that i really almost wish it was i don't want to say like arkham knight was pulled from stores um but like i don't like i almost wish it was here because i really wish they could reset the entire launch uh and say like we made a mistake i uh, i actually feel like that would help them pr wise yeah because like in its current state selling it there's an issue I actually found online that I thought was really compelling where the shader compilation step here on a mid-range CPU can take almost an hour, and then you have an hour of gameplay to figure out whether or not you want to refund the game. And that could be enough, but for maybe a number of users who just left their PC while it was shader compiling and they came back, maybe they're out of the refund window already, and it's a little bit of an awkward situation for them when they get in-game. Um, so maybe allow for uh, a leaner or how do you say it a more leeway in the the refund period than just two hours for users maybe that would be a great way to you know maybe Mm. like let it be four hours or something like that yeah but thoughts where do you think they should go john because um this this is kind of like in crisis management zone at the moment isn't it yeah and i i think what i kind of suggested before makes most sense i think they should come out and acknowledge the issues and sort of apologize for it and say we're going to take this down for a bit and we're going to be back and it's going to be awesome and mm-hmm. uh then they need to figure out a way to make that happen because <laughs> yeah i, I mean know. it's i don't think they're going to do that and i do think if you have a high enough npc the experience can still be pretty good though even yeah, then absolutely. like it's it runs well on my system uh, but there's still things about it that I found annoying, like the loading times being exceptionally long for some reason, uh, mm-hmm. more so than you'd expect. And that, you know, that initial shader compilation process is really kind of baffling given how, you know, it's it's exceptionally long, right? Like, th- that's not the typical amount of time that I think a consumer would want to wait. Yeah, there's word that the uh, second patch addresses loading times. I think the loading times are faster and apparently shader comp as well. But at the same time, um, when I loaded up a section this morning, it still took a, a long time. It's, you know, it's not. It's, I think there are fundamental issues here that need 
comprehensively yeah. addressing it's like and really deep seated, you know, and and releasing a whole series of hot fixes day after day isn't going to be addressing these fundamental issues. It's going to be sort of you know bug fixes and um, you know emergency triage, so to speak. Um, but yes, yeah, really, really difficult situation. Um, I think that's all we've really got to say about it. There's a lot more about the technical makeup of the game, which I guess we'll be discussing in the content when we actually record specific mm-hmm. The Last of Us Part, part One content. Uh, so I guess we should move on to the next, <laughs> the next news <laughs> topic. Um, okay, so this week um, Nintendo released a new video with 10 minutes of action from The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um and I think there's uh, going to be an OLED Switch variant uh, based on the game as well, which is nice. Wow. Um, John, thoughts yeah. on this one? Well then, uh, so <laughs> we finally got some footage here. I'm actually looking at it again now. It looks a heck of a lot like uh, Breath of the Wild, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> I mean, so they didn't actually set the stage in terms of narrative or what they're trying to do here. The world is clearly based on what we saw in Breath of the Wild, but it has changed. Uh, that's somewhat unusual for uh, a Zelda sequel. Usually they're completely new and fresh where this is, this seems a bit more like a Majora's mask approach, which some people might be like, heck yeah, I can understand that. Uh, but the way this demo focused on very specific things without really revealing much about the greater overall structure. And that's actually what I want to know more about. And I suspect we're just going to have to wait to see in the final game. But this is like, I said it on Twitter, but it's basically the legend of Zelda nuts and bolts, right? Like, yes, it is exactly like that game. You're, you're piecing together things in a, in a greater scale than in the original game. They're showing them build all these boats and vehicles and, that seems to be the focus and whether that's good or bad, it remains to be seen, but I think it's going to be based on how important that is to the progression, right? If it's just like, Oh, you can mess around just for fun. To me, that's not that interesting, but if it's like, Oh, you need to figure out creative ways to get to certain areas or to complete certain challenges or tasks, then it gets a lot more interesting because I feel I can feel more organic, but Mm-hmm. I'm willing to trust them on this. They have a pretty good track record. We'll see how it goes. But visually speaking, I think it looks for the switch. I think it looks good, right? Like it looks like a continuation of the work they've done before. The only real visual flaw I would point out right now in terms of something that's distracting is the way shadow maps are handled. They're very uh, low res and, and noisy, just running around the world. Everything's kind of always has this kind of noisy look to it. That's not mm-hmm. not the best, but that also suggests then, if you recall that earlier footage that we saw of this game where we were like, is it too big for Switch? <laughs> it seems like it was too big for Switch because this this actually does look like what you would have expected from Switch. The image quality is comparable to the last game, not like the more super sampled look of those earlier trailers, right? So uh, I do think it's interesting that they're addressing some things related to weapon degradation and that it seems like you have more flexibility in terms of what you can now build, like just using items around the world to create like uh makeshift weapons on the fly, which is cool. And that, that actually could be all right. Like, and I love that, like that one scene where he's fighting the one enemy who literally has like, it looks like he ripped a door off of a building and just using it on a pole. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that's cool. 
and I do like this whole floating islands thing they've got going on. That's pretty cool, actually. Just like all the elevated stuff. But I don't know. What, what, Rich, what do you think Chad would feel about this? He wasn't a big fan <laughs> of Tears of War, but I wonder about <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, well, you know, it's... Uh, what can you say? It's Nintendo. It's got no time for Nintendo. I would I would power phase Chad, but it's just not capable. It's just not possible without moving into a uh, sort of uh, mature rating podcast. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, at the footage now, and um, it is basically. It seems that the emphasis from um, the sort of game world progression is in how vertical it is now compared yeah, to yeah. the last title. But yes, when you first switch to that gameplay and it's um, Link on the on on the horse, it could come from the first game, right? You yeah, know, absolutely. Very, and, and yes, you're right. The image quality now suddenly looks like a Switch game, which yep. uh, <laughs> which is, um, uh, I guess, Occam's Razor <laughs> suggests that something is up with that prior there, footage that we saw. There is one little visual yeah. flourish that I wanted to note that I really liked. It's near the end of the trailer. He dives into the river from above. And when he lands in it, they have this pretty elaborate looking splash effect that they did. Mm -hmm. But at the tail end of that, you actually see individual little droplets of water that almost looks like a rainy mist, which sort of replicates what happens if you drop like a huge heavy object into a body of water, right? You get that initial Where big splash, but then there's like sort of like smaller misty droplets that fall in its wake and i think it's pretty cool that they simulated that yeah and most, ga most yeah. games get water wrong i always feel exactly like. it looks cool. great on this game i think yeah it does look good and honestly i i still think it's pretty impressive that they've built this world that seems to have so many different interlocking systems yes uh in interactions like this that is pretty darn impressive in and of itself like this is like the extreme take on what ue was trying to do with far cry 2 right where it's like everything just behaves as you'd expect, like wood burns, you know, this stuff does this, and just combining all that, that's that's an amazing accomplishment at this scale. So hats off to them for that, and I guess we'll just have to see how it all plays out, and hopefully it yeah. runs runs at a smooth 30 FPS. We'll see. Mm -hmm. I say smooth 30 yeah. FPS, I mean, you know, it's the Switch, right? <laughs> if it's consistent and you're on the Switch, like a consistent 30 would be enough in this case. I mean, the systemic stuff looks um, like uh, an evolution of what the more sort of uh, clever players of the first game were doing, right? Yeah. Uh, where they were taking, you know, they were making vehicles even in the first game, you know, kind of <laughs> uh, limited, of course, compared to what we're seeing here. But it's the same principle, right? Uh, yeah. it, it looks really, really interesting. Um, but yes, you know, from a, a visual perspective, from an engine perspective, I'm going to be curious to see what has changed there. Um this yeah, does definitely. feel like a game for the TikTok generation, though, in a way, right? Like you can just already see all the little, the little shorts coming out of, look at this crazy thing I did in Zelda. Or you have like that robotic woman voice. Look at this crazy thing <laughs> oh, I no. did in Zelda. You know, and then it plays like some kind of <laughs> kind of dubstep music. And some then dubstep it, music. And yeah. then it repeats over and over again in your feed. And you're just like, okay. So I, I yeah. I saw on the, the Patreon supporter questions this morning. I didn't note it down, but somebody asked if it's only going to be on Switch. Does this mean that Alex is never going to play it? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I mean, there. Oh. To say the least, you can buy a game, and there, you know, maybe there I'll have a Switch one day. There are ways and means oh, of doing things. Although, 
so did you notice the whole Denu- oh, yes. Denuvo talk about emulation recently? I was going to mention this. Oh my god! I'm wondering if this game is going to ha- because there has was talk about Denuvo coming to Switch, right? And mm-hmm. now that they get the emulation speak in there, I really have to wonder if this game has some sort of like anti tamper to fight back against emulating this on day one. <laughs> we'll see. Like, oh my gosh! Like, oh, they don't like they don't want people busting out uh, the PC 4K 60 versions of this game <laughs> on day one, right? <laughs> I mean, it would it would fix a lot of the issues that we saw visually here. I, I was just gonna say that this reminds me of a PC game. Like, it reminds me of like John mentioned Far Cry 2. It also reminds me of a lot of um, games that I don't play, but simulation games like like uh, survival simulation games have a lot of uh, systemic things about like wood burning and the construction yeah, yeah. of everything. So it reminds me a lot of that. Something you'd see in like a Steam early access sale, but with Nintendo polish. Yeah, that's um, that's actually the best point. That's what makes it potentially the most interesting is that that Nintendo polish is the difference where, you know, you look at a lot of these games and they're just almost incomprehensible unless you're like really into it, right? You're just yeah. like, it's just like menus upon menus and you're like, okay, what do I even do here? And if you're into it, great, but you know, this kind of opens the door and makes that stuff more accessible overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Agreed. Um, well, um, we're getting perilously close to the release of this game, so I, I guess you'd want to cover this one, right, John? Yeah, as long as it lines... I guess it comes out in May, right? So I, yeah. should, have, mm-hmm. I should be able to do it. Line up. I'll be away yeah. for the last two weeks of April, but maybe I'll do this right when I get back. Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. Okay, let's move on to the next news topic. Okay, so uh, the night before we filmed this direct, um, got some really sad news, actually. It looks like E3 2023, uh, which was set to be a massive comeback for the event, has actually, well, it's not going to be a massive comeback for the event. It's been cancelled, uh, which is really bad news, right? Um, I think E3 is a rallying point for the industry, is is, is of crucial importance. AAA can look after itself, but I think smaller games are going to miss the lack of exposure. Um, and again, as a meeting point for the industry, um, we're kind of uh, we're, we're worse off without E3. Yeah. Than I, uh, I guess we should put in a bit of disclosure here that the event was going to be run by uh, Reed Pop, who are a non-majority shareholder in DF. But regardless, it doesn't really change our opinions on the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we go with this one john um what do you think about this was it inevitable do you think i don't think it's inevitable i think this comes down to a lot of mismanagement from the esa more than anything else shows are still happening they're still being planned uh but i think like we've we've moved away from where they can just demand like large sums of money like to the degree that they were to get big publishers on board in an age where publishers can kind of do their own thing now. And I, I'm sad that they haven't found a way to make that work because, you know, doing your own digital event, which seems to be the way that all these publishers are going, uh, that has its own value. But at the same time, I feel like we're dangerously entering this area where there's too many of them and it's easy to get lost in it because there's no longer a rallying point behind them. I I like to look at it this way. E3 is like the cable box for all those years where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to cut the cord and get this, this service. And now we're at the point where there's like a billion subscription services and now, (laughs) and it's all like, it's no longer consolidated. It's almost confusing and annoying. And they're all, it just creates this big mess of services everywhere. That's kind of what it feels like here where it's like, all right, now we have all these different random events happening all in this different times and different sources. And it just, 
I feel like it kind of like dilutes it a little bit to the point where it's just kind of a big mess. I mean, I know Jeff still has his show going on as well, but I don't know. It just, it feels a little bit chaotic. And this also eliminates that networking opportunity that you would get from E3, like all the, the meetings with the people's meeting them face to face, actually getting to know others there. That stuff was really important. I think for like growing sort of the discussions around games and just, you know, from a journalism perspective, it's becoming increasingly difficult to actually ask questions, right? Yeah. And this is one of the great things about um, events, which is that everybody is present. Um, you know, you get your slot, potentially, and you can actually ask questions. And email doesn't cut it. I mean, you know, Last of Us Part 1, for example, it was like, okay, what's happening with The Last of Us Part 1? Is code coming? Mm -hmm. Zero response. There's, you know, communication is is pretty poor in the industry, I'd say, at the moment. And, um, you know, events are a way that to bring everybody together and it actually unearths stories. And, you know, there are um, areas where the industry needs to be held to account, right? And you have to ask questions and you can't do that uh, when you've got strata of PR to wade through. But, you know, if you're sitting down with uh, Phil Spencer or Jim Ryan, then, you know, the spotlight is on them and believe me they can you know they can handle difficult questions mm -hmm. um, and we should be having that kind of level of accountability and i think that's something that's going to be uh, missed without having events like e3 um, beyond that i think it is a case of um uh, i actually saw an interesting tweet this morning i think it was from rob saunders works at apple now used to work yeah. at nintendo and it was basically a question of you know the pandemic has reevaluated what is important, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we had a year, 18 months of shutdown, right, where nothing really happened in this kind of sphere. And um, game developers, publishers noticed that, oh, hold on a minute, no events and my games are still selling well. Why should I participate in events? Secondly, from a developer perspective, the crunch, the stress of producing, you know, um, vertical slices, proper demos for E3, really took a toll and suddenly it's like well do, do we actually need to do this yeah mm -hmm. that's true so there's there's kind of you know half of one you know uh, it goes both ways basically you know uh, six of one half a dozen of the other where um it's a good thing from certain perspectives but from other perspectives it's really really bad well the shows are still happening though it's just not e3 so there's still got to be some demos prepped right like there's still gamescom tgs egx uh packs all those yeah but code is is kind of thin on the ground at those things that's true, right? that's true. i mean when was the you know we've just had pax east for example um there was very little coverage that made its way through to the media which was like you know game x was at pax east and it was awesome this is what we learned about it Mm -hmm. um there were there wasn't really much of that right and I, i'm kind of seeing pax more as a sort of community event now um maybe i'm wrong but yeah um it's, it's tricky right i mean the other thing of course is that if you do have a a really good polished demo you can just put it out on playstation store xbox store and people can actually download and play it right um which i prefer <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the other thing right <laughs> there's always the cloud as a streaming option as well if you don't want to have code out there i mean man uh you went to e3 a lot john yeah. i went to e3 and, and then stopped going because i just couldn't hack it anymore. 
<laughs> it wears you down, that's for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I think from... Well, here's the thing, right? There's so much that was happening at any given E3 that if you were there, you actually saw less than if you were actually just not there, which is kind of bizarre, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you were hands-on with a game, when you were speaking to a developer... Uh, then you actually got much more of a wealth of information that's just you know not not going to happen anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Um, I guess we've still got Summer Games Fest, right? I'm not sure whether Jeff's physical event is is uh, actually happening or not, but the point is that even if he cancels his physical event, the front-facing um, Summer Games Fest is going to continue as per normal, right? Which is yep. you know. It's a digital event to, to all intents and purposes. World premiere. We're going <laughs> to see gonna hear a lot that. of that. <laughs> Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, so it's a really sad state of affairs. I don't really know what more to add to this. Really. So I actually think part of this stuff is just unfortunate timing because like Nintendo, for instance, was always a big proponent of E3. Despite not having the press conference there, they always had a big booth presence, right? Like Even after they switched to the direct format or Ubisoft... But you actually look at what those companies have in the pipeline right now. Like, they don't have anything really to show it at an E3 this year, right? Like, Nintendo yeah. has Zelda, which comes out before that. That's going to be their big marketing push. But after that, I mean, Pikmin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's there's not much that I think that they could really uh, justify having a big event there or a big booth when, you know, their biggest hyped game is just out and they don't have anything else really to announce or show. Uh, and Ubisoft as well is in a pretty dire state these days. They don't really have much either ready to show. Uh, like, I feel like the companies, like this year was just a bad year in general for that kind of stuff. And th I, I felt like there was no way they were going to be able to pull this off as a result. Yeah. yeah. Good one. Thoughts, Alex? I mean, you've never I'm been to E3, right? Never been to E3. I, I was always a really big proponent of... Uh, the idea of having an online event where people directly participate in some way, as in I, I like I put forward the idea in the past of having participative streaming through a streaming service where people um, can play the demo currently on stage there, for example, with the presenter maybe at the same time. Uh, and the, the presenter points out things maybe over a 10-minute period while you play alongside them through streaming. I don't know. I think there's a way to do it with the modern technology we have that would be really compelling. Mm. Um, so maybe it comes back in a different form. Well, Alex, yeah. you've experienced some of what E3 offers anyway with uh, Gamescom, the business area. Yeah, you know, the business area. That's actually usually a pretty good spot because unlike a PAX, they actually have a whole dedicated area for specifically this kind of stuff right behind yeah. closed doors demos and the developers are there so that's still good and that event is still happening i so, like gamescom yeah. gamescom's gamescom's a good replacement i'd say in a, overall but it doesn't yeah. quite it's, it's, become, the, it's uh, become more so there won't be any transatlantic flights required either <laughs> yes <laughs> for us yeah. like a pe peculiarly uh european mindset but it is what we think yeah. um yeah i mean bjork tribe here comes in with uh, eulogy for e3 please uh, this is two years in a row. It's been cancelled. They can't be thinking about 2024 anymore, right? Or ever again. Communication directs consumers too easy now to hold a big pageant for everyone in the form of E3. Um, is there any shift E3 could make to save it in some limited form? Perhaps a dev conference will become press only again. Ooh. Anyway, by E, E, E. Yeah, I do think there is actually a case to make it a... Um, uh, 
a kind of industry meeting point for the reasons we've stated. And I do think, you know, ideas like Alex, maybe not in, you know, entirely in that form, but there does need to be some new way to make consumer interaction relevant, I think. Um, I'm going to be sad to see it go, uh, is my eulogy. <laughs> because yeah. um, uh, say what you like about E3 in terms of whether it's a good E3 or a bad E3, but the point is that we have a week of madness, crazy, brilliant stuff that, you know, um, all happens at the same time. It's an event. And um, maybe Gamescom will step in to fill the void in the way, you know, it's certainly Gamescom's um, prominence has increased substantially over the years, I'd say, whereas E3's has diminished. So maybe that will be the, the new rallying point, but I think we need one. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. it's time to ditch the ESA and make E4 electronic entertainment expo extreme yeah e5 extreme edition extreme mm-hmm. e5 there you go it's time for e5 <laughs> let's bring it back yeah <laughs> yeah it, yeah i mean you know we've all got our issues with the esa not least the whole doxing situation where it just diminished credibility within the industry to, to yep. nothing yeah. and um certainly not having that uh, organization in play uh makes us happy yeah yeah that i will not forgive them for that Mm. That, that, that's a bunch of bs okay Uh, let's move on to our final news topic this one is really interesting right uh john basically the mister which is a a brilliant emulation uh platform for retro gaming has a new core and it's for the irm arcade classics of old uh tell us more i mean there are some amazing irm games r type is yeah. probably the well okay so r type was already supported the right. m92 is actually a more advanced board and so this comes from martin donlin who just sort of shit dropped this and it's still uh in alpha version so there's still some flaws and not every game is working perfectly but some of the games that the m92 plays is uh in the hunt of course kaite daisenso as it's called uh r-type leo which has never received a proper home version and r-type leo is amazing got undercover cops which is an awesome brawler uh gun force 2 that which is just insane looking though that doesn't quite work properly just yet and various others but this was like a, a late generation 2d arcade system that irim was developing for and these games are just phenomenal and it's so good to see them here running on the mister and currently I could say of all the, most of them seem to work with minimal issues. Most of the issues seem to be related to sound being a little bit, the levels are a little bit off, but I played through in the hunt on there and it just, it's, it's fantastic. And games like in the hunt and gun force two, by the way, are connected to Nazca that would make metal slug. So it's kind of like pre metal slug slug. If you will, you can really recognize a lot of the visual flourishes that metal slug is known for in those games, the sprite work, uh, which is super cool. And yeah, it's just, we're seeing more and more progress here on the mystery side. Uh, Yotego continues to produce stuff. He's got Konami work. Uh, they're doing a lot of work on the Konami CPUs and trying to get more modern Konami, well, modern, but you know, some of the newer Konami 2D arcade games up and running on the system as well. Uh, he got Outrun and Turbo Outrun on here. You know, all of this stuff together. Uh, <clears throat> I use the Mr. a lot now. I have it connected up to a CRT setup, and that's actually one of the main reasons I think Mr. is so good. It's because, so, you know, like MAME and everything, Final Burn Alpha, those are great, or Final Burn Neo, 
Uh, those are great emulators on the PC, and they play a lot more games than the Mr. does currently. But what Mr. offers is easy access to proper analog video output that mimics the original arcade boards. So when connected to a proper CRT, you're getting the exact same presentation. The right refresh rates, you know, it looks correct on those CRT monitors. There's no fuss. Like trying to get MAME working on a CRT, like an old 15 kilohertz CRT or like a TriSync monitor, it's actually a gigantic pain in the butt to get it to actually look correct. Uh, it's not worth doing, I think, especially on a modern PC. It's a huge pain. Uh, this yeah. is so much easier. So uh, this is a great system to either build an arcade cabinet around or just build a CRT setup around it. Or even if you're using an LCD, it's still awesome. It, it doesn't matter. But yeah, Mr. is becoming just the place to experience classic arcade games, among That's many awesome. other stuff. And yeah. I'm well done, Martin. Thank you for doing this hard work and, and including all the other Mr. Devs. You guys are uh, killing it right now. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> we also start a spreadsheet of potential retro product projects to do. I mean, I know, the idea right? is just, it's, it's just infinite amount of ideas here. Actually, just Rich, to... that this would be a good idea, to, a good point to mention that I just completed a smaller DF retro this week. And yes. it kind of highlights uh, a new approach that I'm going to be trying here is, so I, I really enjoy making those very long episodes, right? It's very rewarding, but it takes a lot out of you, right? It's a, yeah. it's a ton of work to make those things. And I'm still going to be doing them, of course. One of them's in, in works right now. But I've also decided to go back and revisit sort of the original DF retro concept where I'm going to be producing smaller episodes on, on like a small, like either a single game or a couple games, you know, reduced scope. So I just did one this week on a game called Gunbuster from Taito. Uh, it's a 20 minute episode and it goes into a lot of the histories around like early first person shooters and how this is actually a weird example of a Japanese made FPS for the arcade that has weirdly modern controls and everything is built out of sprites. So it's like using sprite scaling to do an FPS. And there really isn't a lot else like it. And it feels really unique. And it's not so much just about the game itself, but like the concept of what they were trying to do back then. And how the FPS genre had not been fully formed yet, right? So we just saw crazy stuff happening. And I hope to do more episodes like that where it's like I just played a game or I was just thinking of a game. And I'm like, well, let me just try to do a little episode on it and get something out there. And so hopefully this will mean more frequent DF retros, you know, both of smaller and larger scale. Although, you know, being 20 minutes, this is still longer than a lot of the early DF retro stuff already. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, I think it's cool. So hopefully okay. people like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, check that out. That's on the retro tier uh, at the moment, I think. Um, and yeah, yep. uh, it's, it's going to be making its way to the public sooner uh or later <laughs> probably <Yeah>. later <laughs> we'll see um but yeah um let's move on now to supporter q a this is the area of the show where patreon supporters offer up their questions and get a good 50 60 every week so a ton of stuff there uh, and we choose the ones that are uh i guess easiest or more <laughs> to answer um let's start with this one from ed mode ed edna mode sorry um, hardware lumen versus software lumen. Why is software lumen cheaper uh, when hardware lumen has the advantage of hardware acceleration? 
acceleration. Is it because of precision? Then theoretically, can hardware lumen be cheaper than software lumen if run at the same precision? Well, this is an interesting question, right, Alex? Because, um, you know, we've got hardware lumen, which was used in the Matrix Awakens on console. But mm -hmm. to get to 60 frames per second, Epic opted to uh, use the software solution. So what's going on there? Why can't the hardware solution be faster, bearing in mind its hardware uh, acceleration? Uh, well, I think it's because the quality is the thing that the person just talked about here. Um, we've seen really performant uh, hardware ray tracing on consoles. We saw Metro Exodus running hardware ray traced global illumination on the consoles. Uh, to a degree of precision that was higher, actually, than what you find in software Lumen uh, in terms of the diffuse GI pass. And that's always really, really impressive. Uh, if you think about it, software Lumen doesn't have to uh, deal with a BVH structure in the same way. It still has a structure of things, but it is not like discrete individual models where the polygons line up. It's super like if you as soon as you turn on software lumens lumen view mode you can see exactly what it is like and the surface cache stuff the surface cache yeah just take a look at that it's cool <laughs> it's cool but it like as john knows from it's, experience it looks nothing like the, no. the world um looks it looks so, like uh, google earth but not finished loading basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it's impressive um so it is about precision but also there's a cpu thing there that's uh, hardware becomes because it's more precise by the virtue of it using triangles uh it becomes less uh you know performant it has it has a higher start cost but it like if you were to ramp up the quality of software lumen uh it would go completely out of budget whereas if you ramp up the quality of hardware lumen it is more gradual in right. terms of like what it's doing yeah. so it's basically different foundational concepts really Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's cool. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the next question. This one from Perfect underscore Organism. Apart from it historically not being a console thing, is it time for uh, Sony slash Microsoft to implement a 30 FPS cap option at an OS level like the Steam Deck? Any obvious technical hurdles to this? Well, it's an interesting conceit, right, John? Um, in theory, it should be possible. Yeah, I think it would be possible. That's an odd request do, i mean do you, well i think it's an, an interesting request because um basically yeah. what that what that says to me is that that's like sony and microsoft saying oh you developers have failed to optimize your games we will fix them for you i don't know it just because i mean the steam deck is an open platform versus a console right so uh theoretically this shouldn't be necessary if the developers are doing their job correctly right but i guess it's true in a lot of cases performance decisions made this puts a little bit of power back in the user's hands uh i think xbox doesn't really need this for well i guess it depends on whether you have a, xbox doesn't need it if you have a vrr display but not everybody has that so this actually could be an interesting option for non-vrr displays perhaps uh i think sony needs to spend more time actually making their uh vr solution more robust rather than implementing this but I mean, theoretically, this there's no reason why this could not work, right? Like it, it seems possible, and it mm, shouldn't yeah. break things too much. Uh, although I'd be curious to see what kind of impact it has on, you know, like video playback, or if there's just if it has any sort or of loading, yeah, weird yeah. knock-on effects on things. Like exactly, yeah, like loading, I think that's the loading, thing. 
Like, I think that there would be things that would sneak in and potentially cause problems that you may not expect on the surface. Yeah, it would be a here be dragons option where, you know, it, <laughs> it may or may not work on any given game and there may be issues. And I think there would be um, likely a latency hit by oh, yeah. forcing mm -hmm. this at the OS level. You kind of see it a bit with um, uh, the 30 FPS cap on the NVIDIA control panel. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting idea. And, you know, when you look at stuff like uh, uh, the ray tracing option in Elden Ring, which basically is running at 30 FPS with some you know, spikes above and below, it would kind of smooth it out. Interesting idea, but, I, you know, again, I just think you're right, John, it should be the developer taking care of it. And um, maybe there should be some more stringent enforcement of technical requirements. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't see any reason why there should be inconsistent frame pacing. Um, but well, I, I, I think some of the interesting things are like to consider... Like something like Elden Ring or even Resident Evil 4, where you have these modes where, like, you know, like, the PS5 can run those games at 60 FPS because they're running the last gen versions at 60 FPS, right? <laughs> so we know that there is a solution to get a perfectly stable frame rate on this machine. Uh, it's just the choices the developer made that prevent that from being possible. So I feel like in that case, you'd be like, all right, from like, you've got to have like a mode in here that's just like 60 all the time. Like if it's just mm -hmm. duplicating PS4 settings, fine. But that to me, that, that whole thing is ridiculous where you end up with a version where it's like, oh, the backwards compatibility mode version runs perfect. Uh, so, you know, and that doesn't even have full access to the hardware, right? So yeah, I don't know. Like that stuff does bother me a lot because it's just comes down to development decisions made, like in terms of the way the game is configured. And it's like, if you allow that to change, this, this problem is solvable. Okay. And they choose not to solve it. <laughs> yes. Let's move on to the next question. This one from Mr. Bespoke. Hello, DF team. As an avid viewer of all things DF uh, contents like analysis, retro, and the weekly directs, I was wondering how you guys prepare for such tasks. Do you use whiteboards with scrollings all over, sticky notes on the walls, or just make mental notes and slash or just go with the flow on what you've recorded? And as ever, thanks for all the great work. Well, this is going to depend entirely on what the project is right oh, i mean yeah. a direct we have a we have a sheet which lays out the topics lays out the questions and we just kind of freewheel it um a, a <laughs> gpu review obviously you know there are benchmarks um and you know it has its own sort of form factor uh my other stuff is basically uh, you know i just want to test something and then the tests produce questions which i which i think the audience will have or that i have that i want to see answered Mm -hmm. Yes, questions. <laughs> and um, um, that's kind of my process. It's just a case of, you know, oh, this does that. What does that mean? You know, and then we answer the questions from there. But, uh, John, I know that you're mm. well into uh, into preparation and workflows, right? Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Like, that's the only thing that would make the DF Retro episodes possible or the more documentary-like stuff. So, like, for those, I have a, a whole process of assembling all of the assets I'm going to need for editing the video and organizing them. So, obviously, I start with, like, a spreadsheet where I'm, like, laying out, like, all right, here's all the stuff that I want to cover in this. And then uh, I kind of mark it red or, or green, depending on whether it's been captured. And I split it up between 
gameplay capture, you know, filmed B-roll. Like I'll make a shot list. Like, okay, the, I want to see all these shots with the camera. And I try to think of all the potential angles I'm going to need because I have to set up the slider and the camera stuff and the lights. And that's a big process, right? So I try to think about all that stuff first. Uh, when looking at games, I'll have to think like I'll have a sub list where it's like, okay, I'm like for this last episode, what I did on Gunbuster, it's a smaller episode, but I think like, all right, what games am I going to want to reference during this episode? I need to capture all that stuff as well, right? So I make a list in there and and map all that stuff out. So the idea is I'm trying to map out all the stuff out first, and then it goes into the asset gathering phase, which is just capturing, filming, doing all that stuff. And all the while I'm doing that, I'm I'm thinking of the script, I'm writing bits of the script, I'm making notes on like a Word document of things I want to talk about to get ready to work on that. Once I have done all the asset gathering, or at least, you know, like a lot of it, then I start my Adobe Premiere project and I'm making all my different bins and sequences and setting them all up and getting everything into a place where it's like basically building the bucket of organization. So everything's where I need it. And I know like, all right, if I need footage from this game, I just go to this bin and here we go. It's in there. Or if it's like a, a little side game that's going to be referenced during another part, I put it in the bin with the main game as its own like thing. And, you know, I build out all the sequences with comparison shots, you know, mm -hmm. so that involves like making the graphics, you know, doing all that stuff as well, getting the everything lined up, trying to find a good visual style for it. You know, there's the whole font selection process since I like to vary that up. If I'm going to need any additional graphics work, uh, you know, like I said, I use Unreal for a lot of that stuff now. Sometimes After Effects, just a matter of like planning out early like okay i want a cool looking lower thirds or i want to do these like specific shots in this thing so i have to get that on the schedule and then actually sit down and try to figure it out and make those animations and then all along i'm just writing and writing as we go and eventually i have everything organized i have a, a script written or at least partially written and then i sit down and i usually film it or record it and i like to begin editing uh, before everything's ready, but like at least I have a decent chunk ready so that I can get like say the first 15 20 minutes done and then go back and, and do a little more writing and figuring out what's next. And mm -hmm. it's just a big long process of just assembling just everything that I'm gonna need. And thanks to help from you know, like Mark and Corey now, like in some cases, I can be like uh, an Audi as well. I'll be like, all right, um, at this part, I'm going to need to capture this game or something. Do you guys have any footage of this game handy? Or could you quickly record something for me? You know, usually for like one-off stuff or just if I need a lot of B-roll, I'll be like, all right, I'll play it. You play it. Let's just upload all of our B-roll to the folder. So we have a lot of shots to choose from. And yeah, that's because one of my biggest pet peeves on this stuff is there's videos where they just, people will just rip footage from youtube and use other people's capture and it's always a variable quality with different aspect ratios different frame rates that none of it matches together i like to establish a very consistent clean look and present stuff in the best possible way but it takes a lot of time yeah. doesn't it <laughs> mm -hmm. so any thoughts on this one alex uh, uh for 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 uh, you already explained you have direct but uh, uh for a pc video there are things i know i have to do and they're in my head. I will only occasionally write them down, um, but uh, most of it is actually timeline, premiere timeline management, where I've got an entire timeline that is about optimized settings and then sub timelines for 
um, each individual setting usually so that I can get like specific zooms on each video file and line them up perfectly. And uh, so like whenever you see a three or four way segment in my video, it's actually that's like the one of the largest planning parts of my video process from a production standpoint. Uh, then obviously I find scripting scripting takes a while sometimes it depends on the project sometimes it's really easy to script and other times much less so and it requires more planning and more playing of the game at that point so yeah yeah, yeah. i guess all of us has our different processes and um different video outputs at the end of the day yeah um interesting stuff uh let's move on to the next question uh, this one from brett could fully, fully path-traced games in the future bring back multi-GPU? In theory, my thinking is that each GPU could shoot rays with a different random pattern slash seed at half the ray count. If performance was the goal, then the images between GPUs are then averaged together. I'd imagine it would scale well, just like offline rendering without microstutter, since it's the same frame being worked on at each GPU, ignoring the lack of PCIe lanes for argument's sake. I thought of this recently while after diving into all of the options inside of Portal RTX. Uh, the issue with multi-GPU, Alex, has basically always been how do the GPUs communicate? Mm -hmm. That hasn't yeah. really been solved, has it? I think, well, in the classical way, PCIe bandwidth and the SLI bracket and the Crossfire dongle <laughs> were all uh they were, they could do things it just depend on like the era when they came out sometimes it would be better sometimes it would be worse and i think with nv link nvidia had something pretty interesting going on there and i'm pretty sure uh even post nv link you can hook up multiple gpus into nvidia's omniverse and use that for the path tracing there in real time i think that is actually completely doable I don't know, though, if they are doing exactly what Brett says, though, where if, where it's split screen rendering or in this case, split, uh, split path rendering. <laughs> like so one gets half the paths, the other one gets half the paths uh, of maybe in like a checkerboard or, you know, because like originally SFR implementations, uh, there were different types. There was like half screen, diagonal screen, checkerboard screen, uh, and then it moved over to AFR. Um, which is interesting. I still think there's a place for this, just exactly as Brett says. I think it is a future thing. Uh, right now, I want uh, devs, though, to focus mainly on getting the performance on one GPU to be fine enough, and then maybe worry about two GPUs later. But we have some interesting examples. Technically, I've never done it, but there is uh, SLI or Malt M. There's explicit MGPU support in Quake 2 RTX. I've literally never oh, tried it. Interesting. I've lit. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what it does. I've literally <laughs> never tried it. Okay. Uh, so maybe someone out there could try it out for me and tell me what happens. Fair I have no idea. See, I, yeah. I always liked uh, the original SLI scanline interleave, the 3DFX stuff. That's mm -hmm. the only one I've ever found that works well and doesn't cause uh, frame presentation issues. Mm -hmm. I think it's passing analog video somewhat. I can't remember. It does have that little internal cable to connect them, but that's actually like taking turns drawing each line on the screen, if, if I recall. Hence the name. Mm -hmm. Crazy it stuff. Yeah. It does work. I think the issue is that, um, from the end user perspective, is that people just don't want to buy more than one graphics card. So, And I don't mm -hmm. blame them. So why should... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in the old days, like I had 8800 GTS Li. Each one of those was a single slot, thin, yeah. cooled card. It was 
incredible. <laughs> like nowadays, imagine two forty nineties or two forty seventy Ti's in your PC, which are also massive. So. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the final question. This one from Optimouse Prime. No question for myself this week. Just wanted to say thank you for all the fantastic and informative work you do. Uh, smiley. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> um, and that's it. That's the end of this show. Uh, please do like, subscribe, share if you did enjoy it and ring the bell for those. Uh, I'm going to gradually admit that they are instant notifications. <laughs> and yeah, please do consider the DF supporter program for early access, tons of bonus material, amazing retro content. It's the place to be brilliant community as well. Um, but that's all from us for this week. Thanks for watching. <laughs>